Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, good morning, Glory Church. I am happy to be here. So, if this is your first time coming to Glory Church, we are a church that believes in community. Our lead pastors are Greg McKinney and Kate McKinney. They, uh, they're leading this ship, and we are growing as a community. So I want to use, actually, one of our values to open up my sermon. And one of our values is that we are a church that moves forward, right? Uh, if you have been to our vision launch, you probably have heard about this, and we have other values, but this is uh, relevant to what we're going to be talking about today. So we are a church that moves forward. We have been in an interesting and powerful series. I consider uh, Ephesians one of the most powerful books. It's considered for, uh, by theologians as the queen of the letters or the queen essential work of the Apostle Paul to the churches in Asia. This is such an interesting book to me because the conditions under which the Apostle Paul wrote this letter were very uh, interesting conditions. He was in jail. He was in jail and he received revelation from God as he was in jail to reach out to the Ephesians, a church that he spent two years uh, preaching to them and, and, and their relationship was kind of interesting because when he, he got to Ephesus, he asked them, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we just, the only baptism we have heard of is the baptism of John the Baptist. So they, Apollos, some people argue that Apollos preached and, and his knowledge was only about the baptism of John the Baptist. But when Paul arrived to Ephesus, he said, there's another baptism and it's the baptism of Jesus Christ uh, with Holy Spirit and fire. So we've been talking about Ephesus, and that gives you like an idea. He spent two years there, and then when he went to jail because of preaching the gospel, he reached out to them with this letter to work a little bit with them. And uh, the first week, uh, our pastor talked about living according to what the Bible says. Uh, he talked about redemption, adoption. We're not going to go over that because we have a podcast if you want to review that. Second week, we talk about hope and the prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesus. And uh, last week... We talk about going from dead to life. So Brandon and I decided that if we were to, to put a subject to this topic, it would be from strangers to citizen. From a stranger to citizen. I want to read the, the Bible for you in Ephesians 2, 11 to 22. And it says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. 
by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he may create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far, far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, a member of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's such a powerful test. And there's so much to cover there. We already have like an idea of where Paul was and what was he doing when he received this revelation. But as I was praying and asking God, God, what is this about? Because there's so much to cover here and there's so much places to go. Uh, if I intended to be led by myself as I put together the war and as I search within myself what you have to communicate to your church, I will go to so many places and interesting topics. But I rather submit myself to to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and what I felt he, taught, he told me and he put in my spirit is that this is a message about moving forward. And I'm going to tell you why. Paul's opens with a statement about the former estate of the Gentiles before Christ died on the cross. In fact, he goes specifically over a conception that was pretty popular among the Jewish and is that we were uncircumcision. So if you read a little bit of the Old Testament, God commanded them to have the circumcision so they will be distinguished from the other nations. And those who didn't have the circumcision, they call it uncircumcision or, or, or strangers or, or aliens. And this is such an interesting topic. So he started talking about where they are, but he moved forward to tell them where they are going. I found this particularly fascinating myself because he used at least three words. He says, you are separated, you are alienated, and you are strangers. One of the reasons I was so amazed by this text is that before I have studied it, I probably preached about it before, but I didn't preach about it under the condition that I am now. I myself am an alien. I am I, am, I come from another country, so I have experienced myself what being an alien or a stranger or separated means. And when I started thinking about this, God brought me back to when I came to the United States. I remember the first airport I had my layover was in Chicago O'Hare. And probably 25 minutes later than me landing and talking to some Americans, my English ran out. I was like, I don't want to speak English anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm over. And then uh, something happened, and I found someone 
that was American, but he spoke Spanish. And I was like, oh, this is my friend. I'm just going to hand to him, right? Uh, and we talked, like, probably for half an hour. I remember the names, but I remember who the names are. It's like, you know, I don't remember if he was Alejandro or his son was Alejandro. But I know that it was Alejandro, Maximiliano, and Emily. And there was a baby, but I don't thing I remember the name of the baby and we were talking and stuff like that and I was full of you know embracing dreams and saying like oh I'm gonna get my degree I'm gonna do this you know I didn't know what I what was waiting for me on the other side I didn't know that I will experience culture shock I didn't know that I, I will be exposed to a culture that was completely different to mine you know I, I came from a culture where you see people in the street and you will yell at them hey Francisco you know and then you don't you barely see people out of their house, right? So when I was exposed to this test, I was just remembering the condition on, of being a stranger, being an alien. People talk about aliens and they, you know, like spaceships and stuff like that. Alien is as simple as being from another country, just if you didn't know that. So he interestingly used very, very intentionally, all these words, separated, alienated, strangers. I know what being a stranger is. I know what feeling ostracized from a place where you are, but you don't feel like you belong. And that's, that's the first thing he tackles with the, with the church on Ephesus because he want to guard their hearts from from being misled to, the, to going back to all doctrines and commandments. And there's, there's one question that I want to use as my, my first point. The question is, were the Gentiles saved or in the plan of God before Jesus? Well, the answer is simple, and I, and I, and I hope you know the answer, and the answer is yes. So God is talking to Abraham, and he said, Abraham, in you, all the families... Of the earth shall be blessed. In other versions, it says, All the nations, all the nations shall be blessed in you. So let's talk about the condition of the Gentiles. The Greek word for Gentiles is ethnos, and I probably you are familiar with this word because you have used the word ethnicity, and it means nations, it means physical or geographic ties, it means a large group based on various cultural practices. So, ethnos means any nation, at least for the Jews, it meant any nation that were out of the practices of the Jewish, of the Jewish religion. The next word is separated, which means without, besides, independent from, a marker of dissociation. It's being detached. It's being, it's being apart from but not apart to, you know, you remember those words, we were apart from the world, we were set apart from the world and set apart to God. This is being set apart from, but being part of nothing. That's hard, that's tough. Being set apart from something, but not being set apart to something, it's like living without purpose, you know? You, you struggle with your identity. Myself, I was like, what am I doing? You know, like three months being here, I was dreaming in English, and I was like, well, I'm losing my, I'm losing my head now because I don't know if I speak English or Spanish. Uh, and I fell without identity, apart from but not apart to. Alienated. 
the, this is a phone war. So I decided to put it in Greek there. It's apalotrio, and it means foreigner. Be excluded. Be alienated. Be estranged. And the last word is strangers. Strangers. You might be familiar with this one as well. The Greek word is xenos, and it means unknown, a stranger, an alien. The word xenos is, you have heard xenophobia, right? It was a very popular word a couple of years ago in, 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 in the political landscape. So you are familiar with that word. It means unknown, a stranger. It means alien. In the English dictionary, right? Like we're not Greek or, or, or Hebrew people, right? We're, we're English people. It says, especially one who is not naturalized citizen of the country where they are living. Amen. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> so I wonder if you have ever felt as a stranger. If you have been in a place, a community, even a church for some of us where you have felt as a stranger. For me, the answer is clear, right? I left my country, I came here, and all my dreams ran out after three months. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I probably should go back. And we're gonna talk about, I, it's important to think about why when we are being tested or in a trial or God is challenging us to go out of our comfort zone, our default action is to go back to what we know. We want to hang on to those things we know, to what is familiar, to that culture that we left behind. So when things got harder for me, uh, being here, I was like, you know, I, in my country, I'm going to be fine. I know the culture. I know the people. I know the environment. I, I, I am very articulated with the language. When I came here, I was like, Everyone's like, your English is really good. And I felt like my English was trash. I was like, what is these people talking about, you know? Uh, and I was struggling. I was, I remember I, I came, I think I was uh, on campus that day. And then I got in my room and suddenly I feel like a deep sadness in, within myself. And I didn't know why. And I just started crying. And I was like, what's going on? And I started missing my parents and my friends. And, you know, I, that, that, you know, my testimony, you know, my childhood and my family, that was hostility, complete, completely hostile environment. And I was longing to go back to hostility because I couldn't see what the Lord was doing. That's powerful. We long to go back to what we know, even though if that means hostility. Peter knows about that. He denies the Lord and then he goes back to what is familiar to him. He went back to fishing, even though he had a promise. So I love the wording. This man is so intentional and articulate when he's trying, you know, the, 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 the capacity and the dimension of his spirit is so good that he just used the specific words at the very specific moment. And he says, without hope and without God in the world. For me, the farther away I got from God, community, 
and the people who genuinely care and love me, the closer I got to hopelessness. I want to repeat that. That's good. I want to repeat that. The farther away I got from God, community, and the people who genuinely care and love me, the closer I got to hopelessness. That's powerful. So you build a fortress. You isolate yourself because you want to protect yourself for something that you don't even know. You know, God is challenging you. God is calling you out to possess the land, to go forward, to move forward. And you want to protect yourself for something that you don't even know because you haven't been exposed to it. You haven't stepped into your calling. And what you're doing is getting closer to hopelessness. Hopelessness. The principle I have here is being far from God makes us lose perspective of how good he had been. And all the good he has for us. Our expectation of what's about to come get distorted. Get distorted. So hope, for the sake of the conversation, is the expectation that's of something that is about to happen. So you build that expectation. You build that joy. You build that excitement within yourself. But if you draw, if you withdraw out of a relationship or community or, or the people that had... God plays around you, you are losing expectation. Then uh, this is just, you know, to help you. That's where depression happens and anxiety happens because you don't have expectation for life, you know. You, you, don't, you, you don't have anything to look forward to. You don't, have, you don't have anything to be excited for and you're hanging to the past. That's the, depression is contemplating the past Asking, what if? What if? But today, we're going to move forward. And we're going to leave the what if behind. Because God is asking us to move forward. Without God in the world. That's like, I read that and I am, I, I am shaken to my core. Without God in the world. Do you imagine like being without God in the world we're living now today? Where Everything is fighting for our attention, for our mental health, our families. Even our children are now like, they are competing to have our children's attention. It's, it's like, a, it's crazy what is happening. I, I sometimes feel like, God, I don't know if I'm ready to live in this time. Because it's so many things happening too fast. The, 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 the rate with what the world is changing, it's, it's just accelerating every day and science and technology and all the stuff and you just you just hear AI and all the you know all all the cool stuff that people do out there are fighting for our attention imagine being without God in such a world what would that be not having God not having his love his care his attention not having not having him deliver for us a message every Sunday so that we can face the world throughout the week, that would be really, really hard. Being without God means that anything that is fighting for our attention becomes our God. Anything. Our accolades, ministry, our families, our economy, our community, our church, our attention, and more. Being without God in the world is so the substitution of God with something worldly. It means that idolatry takes place in our life. Because we build an altar for something else that is not 
God. Without God in the world. Without God in the world. It's by abiding in him and constantly interacting with God's word that we get to experience koinonia, communion with our Lord. It's by abiding in him. That's not easy, you know, because I, I can just be here and yell at you, abide in the Lord, you old sinners. <laughs> That's not as easy as it sounds. I have struggled a lot to abide in the Lord, to abide in his presence. Because, I'm, you know, we are human. We, we believe in God, but we don't take the human factor out. Life gets hard sometimes, and it's, it's just hard to see God working. That's why community is so important. Because you might, be, you might be withdrawing or struggling or losing perspective, but community are going to help you to, are going to bring you back. It's like, so I was, I'm like, I like to think. I like to meditate and, and not just put words to what I feel or stuff like that. And I was, I was thinking about my small group and how, why I feel so blessed to be in that community and be empowered by them. And just, you know, we just sit and talk about the Bible. And it feels like, magnetism you know like like you are attracted like you are you are pulled from where you are because these people are godly people they're talking about the bible they're talking about about the life they're talking about being vulnerable and that's that pulls you and help you abide in him there's many ways to abide in him so to transition from this concept of being a stranger, an alien, and being separated from God and without hope, this was the state of the Gentiles in the eyes of the Jewish. So much so that the Lord is talking to Peter in a vision, and he says, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter answers, Lord, I've, I, am, I am a holy man. I've never eaten anything unclean. And the Lord says, don't you dare to call unclean what I have already clean. The Lord is asking Peter to go to Cornelius' house, which was a centurion, I guess. I don't know if that's the right, the right pronunciation, but you get it. Cornelius was a Gentile, and he feared God, and he was a Christian. And God is asking Peter to go to Cornelius and preach and lay hands on them so they can re receive the Holy Spirit, but he is I don't eat anything unclean. Look at that. Our good Peter, an apostle that stood up in front of 3,000 people and preached about Christ like no one else before. And people came and accepted the Lord. Now in chapter 10, God is showing him something new. And, and God is, it, this is a vision, right? Vision. It's like looking the future. It's, it's envisioning what is going to happen. God is giving him a vision but he's not stepping in the vision because of his preconceived ideas. Ha. Hallelujah. His prejudice didn't allow him to see what God was doing. Because instead of stepping in the future, instead of stepping in the calling of God at the moment, he was hanging on to the past. He was not moving forward. Hallelujah. This is good. This is good. Christ's marvelous work in our life as the church. I want to talk about that a little bit. Because that 
is moving us forward. It's drawing us near to God. It's saying all what people believe, the all is gone. I made it all. I'm doing something new now. So what did Jesus really do? I, I, I want us to think about this question. What did Jesus really do? Because sometimes we're doing church life. We engage in the Christian culture. We, we do holy stuff, but we don't really think, what did Jesus do for us? What was it? What is that that is so powerful? What is that that is so prevalent and preeminent and still today speaks so loud to people all around the world? What is it? The power of the blood of Jesus. The word of Jesus in the cross is that he cleanses us from all sin. All sin, no matter what you do. No matter what you do. All sin. All is all. It means all. It, it cleanses us from all sin. It gives us security of eternal redemption. Not, not uh, a sporadic redemption. Not, not something that comes for one day and then it's gone. It's eternal redemption. See, God is not a God of past, present, or future, although he abides. He, he, he knows about that. He knows about the chronos. He's a God, a God of eternity. Eternity. Chronos is for us to measure time. For, but God can be contained in chronos. He can be measured. He's eternal. He's always looking forward. Give us the power to over, overcome the accuser. There's a typo there, but just... Ignore that. He gave us the power to over, overcome the accuser, the enemy, the liar, the adversary. He's always accusing. He's always saying, oh, did you see? Brian is a minister. He's a pastor. And yet he was, he was lying to his dad because he, something, something, you know. But the blood of Jesus and what he did in the cross says, that's what you're saying. That's your letter for him. But this is what I did. I clean, I clean all his sin. Has a storage, a deposit of goodness, mercy, according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1 verse 7, according to the riches. It's like a river. You remember Pastor, Pastor Greg talked about that. It's like a river that flows down, downstream. It's like, it's, it's like we're showered by goodness and mercy. You know, the, David says that, that goodness and mercy will follow me all the time. And I can see the river just following me. If you, if, you, if you really take this picture in your brain, David said, goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life, um, and Pastor Greg says that according to means a, a downstream of a river. So I can, I can see the river just flowing and showering me with goodness and mercy because our God is a good God. He is good. He is good. Give us VIP access to the holy place. Hallelujah. I like that one. <laughs> I like that one. That's cool. And I intentionally put VIP because, that, you know, that makes sense. Now we have, like, we love to be in places or with people 
that we need VIP access to be with them. But have we ever thought about having VIP access to the holy place? It's sitting in front. It's contemplating the beauty of our Lord. VIP access. And I, okay, I'm going to do this. This is fun. Uh, there's two angels in the door and saying, like, who are you? Why are you here? And I'm like, don't worry, I got VIP pass. And they're like, oh, okay, go ahead, sir. That's cool. I'm telling you, that's cool. He established a new covenant. Gave us real freedom by his blood. Not the freedom that the world tells about. Not political freedom. It gave us real freedom. It made peace. Reconcil reconciliation between God and us by the, by, the, by the blood of his cross. Colossians 1.20 says, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So it makes a way to approach God clearly. It makes us fellow citizens with the saints. It gives us a household with God. And it gives us access to the Father. Access to the Father. This is, this is very powerful, and I'll tell you why. The Gentiles, before Christ, they were considered uncircumcision. They were considered not holy people. They, they were ostracized from the Jewish community. The people who owned the temple were Jewish. So the people that had access to the inner places of the temple were Jewish. There was a dedicated place for the Gentiles, and it was the outer courts. It was outside. They were allowed to see the ritual, but not to participate on it. But he is saying here, we have access to the Father. Saying that it doesn't matter anymore who is trying to prevent you to access God. You now have access to the blood. Of Jesus. And that's, this is where it gets really good, okay? We are landing. We're about to land. So buckle up. <laughs> One new man. One new man. And the word I want you to pay attention to is new. New. God whisper. Brian, I'm doing something new. Have you seen? Now look, what are you talking about? I'm preparing a feast before my people. Have you seen? One new man. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. So... Making peace. Making peace. The word new is the Greek kainos, and it means new, recent in time, fresh. It means new pertaining to that which, which is new or recent. It's previously unknown. It's, it's revealed. It's unfolded by the Spirit. The adjective is kainoteron, and it means newest, 
ladies implying something different. Something different. I am doing something new. I am manifesting the latest in the kingdom. I am doing something different. I am doing something recent in time. I am doing something that pertains to that which is new or recent. I am doing something that was previously unknown. Have you heard? I'm going to show you. The Lord said, I think it was to Jeremiah. I'm going to show you things that haven't come up to the heart of any man. You're going to start hearing things that no one else hears. You're going you're gonna to start speaking things that no one else has spoken before. I'm doing something new. And I'm doing that. He abolished that distinction between the Gentiles and the Jews saying, in me both are united. And I, and I, <laughs> I picture Jesus, you know, taking two children that are fighting themselves and just bringing them together. Making peace. You are not going to fight anymore because these people here, these Gentiles that were ostracized, alienated, and giving them citizenship in the kingdom. When you go from a stranger to citizen, it means that you are stepping into your calling and you are, you are, you are embracing what God is doing and you are engaging in your destiny. If you remember last week, uh, Brandon emphasized this word because it kind of transitioned from, from the, the, the first premise or pro proposition of the apostle and bring, bring us to what he's trying to communicate. The word is, but now, but now, <clears throat> but now, but now. It's like, it's like going from one place to another. And it says, but now, but now, for it is through him that we both have a direct way of approach in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are members of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself of the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure is joined together. Joined together. And it continues to grow into a holy temple in the Lord. A sanctuary dedicated to him. But now you that were far are, are brought near. But now, you that were a stranger, you are known by God. You are his child. You, are, you have inheritance with the saints. But now, but now, you that were far, you that were hanging on to your past and, and the stigma of people saying you are not God people, you are not a holy nation, you are not citizens of the kingdom. But now, but now, you have access to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A holy temple in the Lord. A holy temple. This is, this is powerful. I like it. The church wasn't a concept before the Gentiles. So for the church to happen, God needed the Gentiles to participate. 
and be brought near and make them citizens. So Jesus himself, the head of the body, had the body together. Without the Gentiles, there's nobody. There's not no one to lead. There's no church. The question should be then, what is the church? Have you ever thought about that? What is the church? Why, why do we gather every Sunday to do what we do, to worship, to be in community? What, who are we? What is our identity? And the church in Greek means ecclesia. Those who are called, who are called from a, strange, from a stranger to citizen. Hey, child, come here. You are also part of this. You were... Listen, I said at the beginning that it wasn't like a random decision that got made on the go. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save the Gentiles. No. In his redemption plan, before the foundation of the world, he said, Abraham, all the families, all the earth shall be blessed in you. So he was saying, Jewish and Gentiles, all, we have the same place at the table. So it's not like, oh, I'm Jewish. I have... I have more rights than you. Well, the Bible says that we have the same rights. And we both have a place in the table. Ecclesia means call out. means congregation. It means gathering of people for a purpose. So you just don't gather. You gather for a purpose. This word is made up of two words. The word kalio, which means to call and the word ek, I guess. Ek, which is out. To call out. To call out from alienation. To call out from dissociation. To be part, to take part, to be partakers of the goodness of God. What is the church? We are the bride of Jesus. And this is more, you know, like there's another, in this series, someone is going to talk about that. But the concept of the church is that God designed and thought about someone so that the love of the father and the son could be reciprocated by someone else that wasn't the father and the son. Which means that as Jesus reciprocated the love of the father, Jesus, God once wanted and desired for someone to reciprocate the love of the son. And that person or that uh, structure that reciprocates the love of Jesus is the church. That's why it's called the bride. It's the bride of Jesus because it has the ability to reciprocate, to love back to Jesus. What is the church? The church is a heavenly institution to govern earthly places and territories. The reason why God planned churches is to take back the authority that Aiden gave away in the garden. What is the church? It's the kingdom of God on earth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Here as it is in heaven. How does the kingdom come then? It's, it's only by preaching. It's by establishing the structure of God. In one place or territory. The church is not only the bride of Jesus. But also his body. And this is so powerful because. The Bible says that men will leave their mom or their parents. I don't, I, I'm trying to translate it from Spanish right here. <laughs> you will leave your mom 
and your, your mother and your father and you will join your wife and you will be one flesh. So the bride is the body because they are one flesh and Jesus is the head. He leads us. And we as the body are required to be responsive to what the head says. Be responsive to what the head said. Colossians 1 verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So the church is a dwelling place for God. The church is not a physical structure, but it's all of us as living stones coming together. Peter talked about this marvelously. He says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourself like living stones are being built, built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in the scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Wow. Will not be put to shame. And this is what Paul is communicating to the Ephesians. He's saying, for it is through him that we both have access to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, outsiders without rights of citizenship. But you are fellow citizens with the saints. You are members of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. And wrap it up. I'm wrapping up here. And I, when I was being trained by Greg, I mean, I still been trained, but like preaching wise, right? Uh, I think we talk about book, took, hook, look, right? What is the what is the look? Probably the order is not <laughs> quite right there, but the look. How does that look to for our life now? How does that? How do we? Apply this to where we are now. I'll tell you what, and I'm going to use myself as an example, right? There's no, better, there's no better way to do it, I believe. Uh, I have been a struggle because I'm, I'm, I'm not a citizen. So I've been looking for employment and applying for jobs tirelessly. And I've been struggling. I'm like, God, what is this? Like, I, I have come this far, and I believe you have done so much, but I just feel like I'm, in, I'm stuck here, and I'm not moving forward. What, what, I'm, what am I supposed to do? Go back to my country, where I'm a citizen, and I, you know, I don't have to do all this and feel like a stack of paperwork to keep my status or... Or keep my visa. I don't have to do any of that, God. What is this? And God told me, there's nothing to look back to. 
it's time to move forward. How does that look like? Relationship that we had in the past. Exes that were toxic and we knew it. And because we don't know better, we want to go back. Perhaps you went through a divorce. I don't know how that feels. I've never been married. But I know it's hard. It's, it's, it's taxating. It, it, it takes your energy. It drains you. But perhaps you are living in the memories of what it was. And God is asking you to move forward. Perhaps it's looked like hostility at my household. But because it's, this is familiar to me, this is what I know, I want to go back. And God is saying, look, I have a feast before you. You can see it because you are like this. You're hanging to the past. You're not moving to your mark. You're hanging on to the past. God, shall I go back to school? Oh, don't do that, okay? But I knew that, Lord. I, was, I had a routine. I had a schedule. I, I, I met so many amazing people. I know that place. But God is saying, don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. The apostle Paul writing to the Philippians said, I am moving forward to the mark. Leaving what is behind. Because God is a God that moves forward. Perhaps it's a friend that you had and things fell apart suddenly. You don't know why. But you are constantly reaching out and being ghosted. And God is saying, it's time to move forward. Perhaps God is talking about participating in the church. But because your old church hurt you and you're aching, you are like, no, I don't want to get involved. And God is saying it's time to move forward because I am a God that moves forward. See, moving forward, it's embracing God's purpose and desire for us now. Because God, although he heals the past and he knows the future, he's a God of the present. He's a God of now. He's a God that is interacting. He's wanting, desiring in his heart to be with us now. How do we move forward, right? Like we, we have an idea, a picture of what the past, what the old looks like. But how do we move forward? Hernán Cortés was a, was a conqueror. He was a fighter. And uh, in 1519, he got to the shores of uh, Aztec or I don't know, whatever, that kingdom. And he wanted to, he wanted to conquer, but he only had 500 soldiers and 100 sailors. So sailors are not going to fight. It's, they're not going to fight, right? They're like, okay, you stay here. Their, their soldiers, his soldiers, were plotting against him. Like, how are we going to get away with this? We need to flee. And he knew about this plot. And you know what he did? He burned all the ships. 
he burned He burned And he said the only way out is to take their ships. You know what he was saying? The only way out is to move forward. How do, we, how do we move forward? We burn the past. How do we burn the past? Bring him before, before God. So I want, to, I want you, and I, and I pray, I ask the Holy Spirit to help me with this, to bring those pictures of how the past looked like for you. An old relationship, an old friendship, college, something, an old employment, and God is calling you to bring that before him because we're moving forward. Because by main one in Jesus, by main citizen, what's ahead, it's looking pretty good for us. We have authority. We have access to the Father. The future is bright. And this is no political campaign, okay? <laughs> the future is bright. It's looking good for us. There's a feast before us, but we have. To let go the past. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we respond to this sermon. Father, thank you because you are a God of the new. I know you're moving. I know your spirit is working in your church. It's bringing up those feelings those sentiments, those past experiences, those traumas that doesn't allow us to be one with you, that doesn't allow us to access the Father fully and completely and, and to surrender who we are. Father, we pray that your spirit move and help us to live the past behind and move forward. Help us to move forward. Help us to move forward. As we uh, transition into a time of response, there's a few different ways we can respond here at Glory Church. Um, one is through worship. So one is as the band plays right now to open your heart to God and to, to worship him, to respond in that way. Another way is through prayer. Like if you, if you need prayer this morning, if you would like prayer this morning, um, find Brian. I'll, I'll be up here in the front as well. Like come up and get some prayer. And then the third one is, is through giving. And every other Sunday we've been rotating this out between giving and communion and giving and communion. And this Sunday is, is for giving. And as Brian was talking um, about uh, being citizens of the kingdom, um, I kept getting a vision of how this world around us is a wasteland. Like, this is, this is a barren wasteland around us. Don't let the profiting businesses or the vibrant neighborhoods or anything like that deceive you. The green trees, like, one day this all will be a wasteland. It's barren. And C.S. Lewis has this concept where um, if you spend your whole life trying to make yourself at home here in this wasteland, here in this barren land, you're going to end up dissatisfied. You're going to end up alone. And that can only mean one thing, that you weren't created for this, this world. You're not created to be here. And we are strangers 
in this land. We don't feel like we belong here. And in the kingdom to come, that is where our citizenship is. That is where we're headed. And you don't need pride where we're going. You don't need independence where you're, we're going. You don't need money where we're going. Like where we're going, the, the streets are paved with gold. I actually, if, if I can just read Revelation 21 here real quick. Um, I highlighted some pieces of it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, this, this place that we're a citizenship of. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, the new temple, the one that you and I were all pieces of, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. This is the citizenship that we have as believers in Christ. And this old earth is going away. That's where we're going. And so I just wanna invite you to, uh, to respond to that, to, to live into that, to be citizens of this new kingdom in however way you want to right now. Thank you, God, thank you, thank you. I, wa I want you to stand up. We're gonna, I'm gonna pray for the church. I feel like there's a release of the Holy Spirit in this place. I feel like God is moving and calling people to burn the boats today. Burn the boats. I feel the river of the Holy Spirit moving around. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're praying for a release of your power. Bring it to our minds, bring it, bring it to our minds, bring it to our minds. Bring it to our hearts. What is that thing that we have to give up today? What is that thing that we have to surrender, 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 surrender? Yeshua. Can we do Yeshua? Father, in the name of Jesus, it's releasing. As you give, please bring your attention back to this moment. I want to pray for the church. We want to pray for you. There's people here that wants to pray for you. And I feel like God is releasing something in this place. As you give, just bring your, ma your mind back to this moment. Because we're going to burn those boats. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.